Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comic Bureau Field Report. The Comic Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That is why on your favorite podcast platform, it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report and not just the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Doesn't that sound cleaner and better? And wouldn't it be great if I got more ad money to have to explain this every single episode so it's not weird for people to read a pun on the word believed and then after what is like, huh? What? Jake wouldn't do that. Uh, well, enough of that, Mishkas. And on to this week's amazing guest, internationally renowned comedian and performer, uh, recently uh, touring a solo show called Sunanda Loves Britney. Please give it up for Sunanda, everybody. Woo-hoo-hoo. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. Thank um, you wow. for being up super bright and early, especially by comedian standards. Uh, 7 a.m. Oh, yeah. Bang- Bangkok time, is that? That's where I currently am. That's right. I'm at home visiting parents, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if Bangkok is somewhere I'll ever really do comedy again, but um, yeah, been here, done that. Not not uh, my favorite, but yeah. I, but I could have... 7 a.m. on a podcast. Here, here you are. Yeah, from what I understand, because I've met uh, Thai people um, and toured them around L.A., and they, they say to me that there are English-language comedy clubs, and I go look at what these English-language hmm. comedy clubs in Bangkok are, and it's like, oh, they play the bad stuff that plays here. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just um, what I like, I guess, hilariously, they'll have international lineups, <laughs> and I guess I should put quotes around that because they truly are international. It'll be, but it's like cis het white guy from Canada, cis het white guy from the US, cis het white guy from South Africa, cis het white guy from Australia, cis het white guy from the UK and right. from the Netherlands. And then they right. all have the same right. transphobic punchlines, punch uh-huh. lines. Right. I guess, punch you lines. know, yeah. makes me want to punch them, but I don't advocate for violence. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But your fe- but yeah. feeling, feelings are valid, Sunanda. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah I think it's not the way I express them sometimes. Sure, sure. I, <laughs> I think it, it is worse to deny that you want to punch somebody. You don't have to actually manifest that into actually punching somebody. But I, I yeah, yeah, some people, the it's very, <laughs> very much you want to punch them. And that's oh, yeah. okay. That's yeah. okay. That's true. Uh, That's a good distinction, too. Yeah. Between knowing you want to do that and then doing that. Don't do it. Just know you want to. Right. Know you want to. Yeah. Thanks, Jake. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, So it's safe to say there isn't really a clowning scene or a sketch scene or improv scene in Bangkok, Thailand? No. There's a tiny, tiny, tiny improv scene. Uh-huh. Um, and by yeah, I mean I think there's eight people who are obsessed with doing improv, and <laughs> so it's one team. Is one is one team that somewhat meets when they can swing it, but twice mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. That's the bad, I think. Wow. I, I don't, don't know think... if I'm wrong. 
I've been out of the Bangkok comedy game for a while. So if you're right. listening to this and I'm really wrong and you want to punch me, mm-hmm. your feelings are valid too. Right. Shout out to all the people named Boat that are mad. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for those who don't know, uh, a lot of Thai people pick English language nicknames different from their Thai given Ooh. names. And often they are just regular old English nouns. Totally. Yeah. What, um, I was so lucky to have met because this, speaking of Thai names, I, whatever, I always watch Family Guy and one of the writers is named cherry with like a really long thai last name and right. i was like for sure this person is thai. like there's <laughs> nowhere else a cherry could come from and sure right. enough were and i met him and it was rad <laughs> but sure sign you see anybody with a first name like cherry apple right oh no that's just gwyneth paltrow's kid my bad yeah yeah, yeah. so no celebrity Not- kids yeah uh and then Thai people and then yeah and maybe you know I I've been noticing this a lot of there are a lot of trans people that like to uh they like to have funky names when they're picking a new name Uh uh-huh yeah or they're like intentionally misspell a different like a commonly known name oh yeah like a like a remixed spelling yeah. yeah 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 To yeah, to cool. just div- to to queer the name, right? That's right. Yeah, queer yeah. all up. I mean, at least they're not going Elon's route, where it's just like unpronounceable symbols. Yeah, I feel There's like that. I I I'm not really for uh, government intervention, but I feel like someone should be able to say like, <laughs> no, yeah. we're not letting you call your baby that. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like good luck with roll calling class, dude. I had a hard enough time. Mm-hmm. And mine's just phonetically spelled Indian name. Right. <laughs> so when you say uh class like where was that? Thailand? Or Yeah, I went to an American school, hence the accents. Um, right. but I went to an American school here in Thailand, technically an international school, but sure. I mean, we only celebrated Thanksgiving, you know, no, no uh-huh. other um, international holidays. So I'll say uh-huh. it, it was definitely American. Uh-huh. But yeah. Did, you, did you observe Super Bowl Sunday? Oh, man, that's the one thing we did not actually see. <laughs> right. Perhaps we are still not, we're not American enough. <laughs> I mean, the Super Bowl always likes to tout these international ratings of like the so many tens of millions of people watch it around the globe. Eh, I don't know how many people are outside of one once. year. Yeah. In Thailand as like a 24 year old. Right. And I think it was just a fun excuse for me and my friend to be like, yo, let's drink beers at six in the morning. Cool. Uh, did you watch it for the halftime show or just the spectacle of the whole thing? Just for the drinking the beer, I think. The beer. Good reason. I don't even remember the halftime show. I usually right. now watch the halftime show, like right. only the halftime show. Yeah, no, it has become sort of a cultural divide of like, all right, we get that a bunch of you are watching the Puppy Bowl and you, mm. hate, you hate this sort of, you know, patriarchy fueled thing. But yeah. uh, for, for half an hour, we're going to let you have this. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. So uh, for the listeners who are, uh, you know, not familiar with you or your work, what can you just quickly walk everybody through how you went from Bangkok to America and, you know, was this <laughs> a seminal part of Broad City and end up in L.A. and uh, uh, favorite at Melbourne International Comedy Festival? I should have said this in the intro, <laughs> but uh, just listing off your credits here. It's old news, Jake. Old news? No. Old news happened last year. Old news. No, <laughs> I'm Thank you. Um, sure. Uh, so I'm third generation Indian, um, uh, raised by uh, Indian Thais here in, in Bangkok. Um, grew up here, went to an American school. That's why I sound confused. Um, and then moved to the States for college, uh, didn't do anything comedy or entertainment related, did economics actually, um, tried really hard to be what my parents wanted me to be, but then went back to, came back here to Bangkok, had crazy ass times. And then went back to grad school in New York for production, was doing production stuff, um, produced Broad City uh web series stuff and then um saw them doing comedy and some other people I was producing for New York mm-hmm. and you know that classic I guess I don't know if it's a classic POC story or queer whatever just generally not represented um on camera story right. where I didn't see myself so I didn't think that was for me but then things came to a head where I kept trying to give another friend, a photographer friend um, who was not interested in comedy at all. Uh It was like taking beautiful photos of beautiful girls in natural light, you know, that look like perfume ads or lingerie ads. And I kept being like, make it funny. (laughs) Right. Go find your own thing. So I did. And I started doing improv in New York and then um, came back to Bangkok for a holiday where there was a stand-up competition thing happening. Someone encouraged me to sign up, gave me some pointers on how to write stand-up. That was seven years ago. And, and since, yeah, I've done, I've been doing stand-up. I did sketch in LA. Um, yeah. That's where I, of- I met you uh, at Indian Wedding. I yeah, so yeah, I used to do a show called Indian Wedding with Amrita Dhaliwal in LA, which was, I still, we still both really love that show. Yeah. Um, Truly a variety sad. show. Like a lot of shows call themselves a variety show and it's just mostly stand up with a music act. Yeah. But yeah. it was like, uh, I, you know, I could see like somebody juggling, a dancer. Yeah. On top of like people doing sketches and stand up and stuff. Yeah, I think our most repeated act was because um, we just thought it was funny, but now we're like, maybe it was problematic too. <laughs> was a white girl with an Indian, like a Hindu name who would uh, hula hoop. <laughs> and we right. were like, definitely. But also at a really rich Indian person's wedding, that's exactly the kind of entertainment they are providing their guests. They are hiring tall skinny white girls uh-huh to do random shit yeah perhaps well, even whole appetizers you can just grab one from oh yeah know? absolutely well i'll give credit where credit's due i went to hassan minhaj's wedding 
And it was all Indian and Pakistani performers. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Support. Yeah, and it was very, there was like, of course, it was a huge wedding. I think there was like three, four hundred people. And there was one comedian table. It's a very clear like, oh, we're the ones wearing suits and everybody else in like traditional Indian garb. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. That was a fun inverse experience where when I went in, because I'm brown, I did Uh not get asked, oh, how do you know the bride and groom? All the white people got asked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you're brown, you're cool. We just, you know, you're probably that's, all, that's, a, that's we're all checking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah, these Caucasian like folks though. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Sus. Sus. Yeah. Super sus. Um, so at at uh what uh what brought you back? You were I met you in LA and you were doing a lot of sketch and cool hmm. fun stuff in LA. What made you go to Melbourne? So I, um, I met my partner, uh, we've been together for five and a half, almost half, five and a half years now. Congrats. And um, she's Australian. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. From Melbourne. Yeah. And I, oh yeah. And oh yeah. I met her um, when she was here. It's horrible. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does not have that strong an accent at all. In fact, nobody I've met in Melbourne has uh-huh. that strong an accent. Right. Everyone's like, we do not sound like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, my old scent. And they're like, you're an idiot. I'm like, yeah, yeah I am. Only people um, like in the deep outback have that I said these days, right? Yes, exactly. It's just yeah. like Crocodile Dundee and like the rest of Queensland, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I met my partner. She's from Melbourne. So I ended up moving to Melbourne. Um, which meant I couldn't really do sketch and stuff anymore because the scene is smaller with sketch and improv, but also I didn't know anyone. So I had to go back to doing solo stuff and I didn't, and I, I'm still doing like, I guess what you'd call traditional stand up, but, um, I guess I'm also, and I don't know, blame it on being Indian, blame it on my Bollywood influences. Mm. Like I need more theatricality in my shows. So yeah, so I started doing a show called Sunanda Loves Britney about my obsession with Britney Spears. That's the show I did in LA. Mm -hmm. And I just needed to do something, thank you, Mm -hmm. where I could also sing and dance. Yeah, and you really do sing and dance. Uh, thank you. Yeah. It's not just yeah. like for funsies. I hope it's fun for someone at least. No, no, it is fun. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's not like a comic who clearly just came up with choreo a week ago. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It was a, yeah, I love it. And I think that's what, that's what I'm trying to focus on. I've, I've like since, you know, formed other alliances if you will oh yeah um, 
with other performers in Melbourne and I perform in a couple different groups now there. Right. But they are theater groups with a strong focus in clown. Sure. Oh, fun. Um, yeah. And but I still miss sketch and I miss yeah. improv, but there's just not. It's like I mean, Auntie, Auntie Donna and that's it. Pretty much. And they're they already have like a TV show after TV show after TV show. So yeah. You know. Yeah. They're not really yeah. Exactly. Wow, you do know Auntie Donna. Good on ya, mate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I you know, I'm a bureau. I try to stay true to the name. Yeah. Yeah. You know it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that's interesting that you say that there's that sort of dynamic there, considering like the Melbourne International Comedy Festival is truly one of the world's biggest comedy festivals. Mm. Um, getting accolades there are almost, I mean, it's pretty much parallel to getting accolades at the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. Um, mm. And I mean, I, you know, as many Americans go to Melbourne as they do to Edinburgh, as from what I understand anyway. And but like what there's like a bunch of people who do solo shows or do stuff that's more theatrical or narrative driven that is a little bit like left to center of traditional stand up and why and then that just leaves once the festival leaves and it's just like a bunch of people doing stand up. <laughs> um, no, there's actually like a big touring culture in Australia. Right. So because there is more government support, um, you can apply for and get grants to create a new stand up show. Really? Um, yeah. And I think also there's more because there's more fine because there's more possible financial support. Not that everyone gets it by sure. any means. Um, yeah. But then you have a chunk of money and you're like, shit. I guess I'll hire a director and then you start working with the director and you're like, I guess I'll hire a composer to like create this original track or, uh -huh. you know, and then it becomes more than just a traditional standup show because there are some resources, but then I think the few shows that have those resources then inspire other people to do stuff like that. Like I've seen some very, I guess, mo like there's, it feels like there's more multimedia stand-up. Sam Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like some like more, I don't know if I'd call her emerging anymore, but like, uh, like closer emerging, maybe yeah. almost mid-career, but um, lots of success. Like there's uh, comedians like Lou Wall and Vidya Rajan and, and, and they're doing, like tons of storytelling and using a lot of visuals using digital um mm, yeah things actually like video rajan really cool created uh but they also very much come from theater right and i think i've seen that a lot more in right. melbourne where there is a theater and comedy crossover not everyone, of course, right. and perhaps right. I'm just particularly focused on that because I'm very interested in that. But uh -huh. I didn't see that very much in L.A. Like right. it was if you do stand up in L.A., it's stand up like you're doing traditional stand up most of the time. 
Right. You might, you know, th throw some clown in there and right. and then go from there. But I th I think that's changed in the time since you've left. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Clown got to uh, lay down some serious roots, uh, and a lot of people want to do it now. Um, it seems like it's cool as much as the clowns are like, don't make us cool. We don't want it. We don't want this to become like a touristy thing or like, you know, once we are actually labeled cool, it's dead, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is from my sort of philosophical perspective on comedy. Mm. It's sort of the dirty little secret about standup you're just like given a mic and a mic stand and like a stool and you can kind of just do whatever with your time. You don't have to yeah. be like, what's the deal with you can have props. You can have, you could do. And there's like, free, like even in clowning, there are structures and forms and things mm -hmm. that you're so, like trying to go for. But stand up. It's like, all right, what do you got? Oh yeah. It yeah. should. Yeah. It technically, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's so enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, it really should just be, it should feel much more open, right. I think. And I think it's, yeah, the thing that I'm repelled by, perhaps that's a strong word, but uh -huh. I choose it. Sure. Um, thing I'm repelled by is that need to then stick to a very strict structure or mm -hmm. a very strict idea of what that form is right um when in fact you're right it's just you have a mic you perhaps have a mic stand if you're lucky and you mm -hmm. perhaps have a stool if you're lucky and maybe there's some people willing to listen to you and then what you do with that time mm -hmm. it's all stand up yeah and that's some purists might disagree with me but you can tell a story you can be in character yeah. you could do a whole shitload of things. Oh, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that sort of realization is slowly coming to fruition for more and more people. Mm. You know? Perhaps, I don't know. Do you think that people who are intimidated or threatened by this expansion of what traditional stand-up can be, they're just mad because they can't do it? I I would I would add a corollary to that. It's not so hmm. much maybe maybe they are a little mad that they can't do it, but I think, and this kind of extends to just a generational thing of why like Gen hmm. like Boomers and Gen Xers might be mad at younger generations. It's like <laughs> they didn't even know they had the option. Yeah, and so they're just like, well, I didn't get it, so no one's gonna get it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's how I, think, I am with younger queer people. I'm yeah. like, no sex for you. <laughs> it hasn't worked once. Right. Um, yeah. No, field is like a, a very, <laughs> you know what field is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it seems like a very polite kink app for those who don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've heard a little bit, but. I didn't want to enthusiastically be like, yeah, I know, because we are don't have an open relationship. So, right. yeah. <laughs> don't like, don't feel, dude. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, I don't think it's yeah. just for ethically non-monogamous people, but <gasps> like if you're 
I think it's like a all encompassing thing. Like if you got a specific kink, it's the place where you can maybe have better chances finding people with that same sort mm. of kink or complimentary kink. Are um, there like stand-up kinks on there? I don't know, but the field is putting on a two exclusive nights of comedy in LA and New York. What? With I'll like look- with stand-ups you know that are all very, 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 very sex positive. Oh wow. Yeah, it looks real cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and apparently they're gonna the show's free. And then you can, if you're on field, you can submit your profile for an anti-roast. And they didn't detail what that means. But I imagine it's complimenting whatever your field profile is. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Actually, I can see people getting wildly uncomfortable um, with that many compliments, you know? And that's always funny. (laughs) Right. Maybe that's what gets them going, you know? Yeah. Oh, the shit. awkward the, the awkwardness of being complimented. Mm. Oh, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can't take these compliments anymore. Stop saying nice things to me and just put my tit in your mouth. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, shut up. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, it's a it's a very niche way of being a sub. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, not into uh. definitions anymore. You're not into definitions? I don't know. What a douche thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) What what makes you say what makes you say such a douche thing? It gets so it gets so complicated. Like we were um before we started this podcast, you were asking me about my pronouns and I and you're like they them and I'm like, yeah, sure. I think that's the right thing to choose, even though technically I don't care. And then but you know, I don't care. Like you can she me, he me, they me, right? Um, and yeah, I think it's about having a longer. But then everything becomes like a way longer conversation than most people have any time for. Sure. So they're like, "What's your what's your label? What's your thing? Just tell me so I can." And I do it too. Right. I'm like, just give me the shortcut. Right. Well, I think it comes from like a good place in that um, for. Hmm. A lot of people, they, they, I know that labeling can be prohibitive, but people do want to understand, you know? Yeah. And I think like, you know, with you finding your own sort of intersection with all of them, like it could be useful and helpful for people, you know? Totally. And that, you know. If we break it down even more, wow, this is so obviously me being like, I do mushrooms. Um, <laughs> sure. I was going to say, um, speaking any words is putting boundaries on our thoughts. But right. in order to communicate with another human being, you have to define. Right. Define your thought, define, you know, right. whatever right. you're trying to communicate. So, yeah. yeah. That's where there are people who uh, very defensively will be like, don't perceive me. And I get where that comes from. Oh, this is news to you? This is news to me. I'm like, what? That's impossible. We're not metaphysical. Exactly. (laughs) It comes out of this place of like being judged from just their appearance. 
And I like, get that, but that's get what you it. do when you have a conversation and then you hang out uh-huh. with someone and you get to yeah. know them better. Right. <laughs> and and like they they there should be some room and some grace for them to like try to understand because them wanting to understand it means that they want to like get to know you, that they like you, that like yeah. they're yeah. they're not trying to put you in a box. No. They're just trying to freaking make sense of somebody that's not them. I know that, that that's for me. Yeah. That said, I do hate when people are like, so what are you? Oh, yeah. And do you think, and they mean that like ra- racially? Yeah. Yeah. I make, I make fun of it in my own standup. I force the audience to guess, but in a public setting, <laughs> that's like much more awkward. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you can't be winking at all the other people around behind them like, Yes. <laughs> and that's weird because right. there's nobody there you're winking at, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, Perceive me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have the opposite. And that's like, a, uh, you know, being a brown, AFAB, masculine-ish presenting mm-hmm. queer person mm-hmm. in Australia where like racism is, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh <laughs> cooking on the fire buddy like the flame uh-huh. is turned up it's not like a low simmer it's it's right. all the time oh but there are fact, people still the... oh go on oh no no please oh there are still white australians who are mad that Ayers rock isn't called Ayers rock anymore oh for sure dude <laughs> all the time that's so uh, stupid <laughs> definitely there are people who still want to climb it and it's like, what? Leave it alone. Stop climbing things, white people. Mm-hmm. Like it's not necessary. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I would say I really want them to actually perceive me because I have never experienced this until I've gone there, especially being a performer, i.e., uh, attention slut. Um, <laughs> cool. But I'll have, and it's especially like older white men there will be talking to, well, I think they're talking to me and my partner, but they don't look at me once and they're just looking at my more fair skinned, like green eyed partner hmm. um, because they can't tell that she's half black because she's so fair. Uh-huh. But I'm like too dark skinned and threatening, I guess, to actually even be perceived. Wow. So I'm like, Oh shit, dude! Perceive me, dude. Look at me. I'm. You're talking to me. Look at me. Right. Right. Um, so perhaps that's why that phrase also got more under my skin than it may need to. But yeah, because it's like I think it's very human to want to be seen, and mm. kind of like you alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. like not everybody in the world has endless amounts of time to hear your entire life story. To mm. really get all of you that that would be great if we all did we mm-hmm. don't you know mm-hmm. so in lieu of that there are these adjectives and these labels that just like and you can choose and pick as many as you want yeah. but it's not it's not people trying to like necessarily all the time like oh well you are this and this means you are these things i just yeah. they just want to get a little bit of ground 
to be like, oh, okay, that's another thing I know about them. And hopefully this will lead to me knowing much more about them and understanding the human being that they are. Truly. Yeah. Uh, is that what is at the core of Sunanda Loves Britney? Is it an <laughs> exploration of self-identity through love of embattled pop star and to many gay people, their own their own Jesus Christ in a lot of ways? I, have you I ever heard... couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard many a gay guy be like, who they tell another gay guy like you better dance for Britney she died for our sins <laughs> truly I don't know she's an icon I don't know that I could get through something like that and so anything anybody wants to say that's negative about Britney I'm like sure like perhaps she would never have been a rocket scientist you know mm -hmm. perhaps she would not get you know a 4.4 GPA going through like who cares right as somebody who did get really good grades and went mm -hmm. to good uni and stuff but i'm like i wish i had more britney spears resilience and <laughs> also talent but um uh-huh you know you really see and i think that that's that actually ties into like people who, you know, we were talking earlier about having uncomfortable like conversations about identity or like where people don't want to be perceived because I think at the root of it, it's like a discomfort and then people don't want to be in that uncomfortable figuring it out area. Right. I'm like, perhaps if we all had more of Britney's resilience. Yeah. You know, I mm -hmm. like... Because, damn, she's taken a beating over and over and over. And she's still here as much as she can still be here with us. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I love her so much. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe that means we all should at once, at one point in our lives, have to shave our heads to gain perspective. For sure. I think she's iconic for shaving her head. Right. She was like, F this. I'm I'm more than my hair. I'm more than just right. you can't control me. And then they were like, No, nope, too much. No, no <laughs> hair on a lady. Get her in jail. <laughs> you know, well, no hair in the right places. Of course, not in the quote unquote wrong places. Sure. That's for jailing too. Uh-huh. So how, what was the sort of journey and timeline of you coming up with a solo show about Brit? Ah, oh, thanks for asking, Jake. You're very um, welcome. Yeah. So uh, I was saying when I moved to Melbourne about, I moved there about four and a half years now ago, almost five years ago now. Um, I didn't know anyone. And so it was the first time the Melbourne Fringe was happening. And I was like, I got to make a show where it's just me oh mm -hmm. shit for an hour because that's uh -huh. the time slot and right. i was like ah oh, screwed um so i had some like sketches and a story i used to tell and like a, some stand-up um and some of those britney jokes like my academic britney jokes about how i used to you know do school projects from like high school through my graduate program about britney spears um 
were in that original show and it was called How Gay Am I? But I didn't have any support. I didn't have an outside eye. And it was kind of, it was like 55 minutes of a, several different sketches, some video multimedia pieces, because I like that stuff. Um, storytelling, some Britney jokes, all thrown together into a 55 minute package. Right. Um, with me like crazily changing backstage because I was <laughs> really into costumes um, sure. coming from sketch. So I had that show, How Gay Am I? And then I did that um, a couple times. I did that at the Fringe Festival in Melbourne and then this queer festival called Midsummer Festival. And then COVID hit, lockdown happened. And I had always felt like that wasn't, how I wanted that show to be. I always, I always, I thought there was more potential and I was just like, I just need help. And at, at that time I was, you know, getting to know other comedians in Melbourne who have a big theater background. And so we're really working with directors. Mm -hmm. I hadn't done that in LA, you know, when Amrita and I were doing Indian wedding, we basically, we were our own creator, director, producer, performer, bookers, all of it. Um, so during the pandemic, I had the opportunity to meet a theater director who also does comedy stuff and she's done clown and she's worked at Circus Oz. Uh, her name is Candy Bowers and we became friends. And then when things opened back up, I think it was February and it was my birthday. And I woke up that morning um it's the end of february and i woke up that morning and i was like babe i was talking to my partner i was like i think i want to ask candy if she wants to direct my how gay am i show um do you think she'll do it and i got in touch with her and she was like yeah we'll do it but mm -hmm. what i find really crazy about your show is your obsession with britney spears that's just weird and i was <laughs> like what no way uh -huh. so um i was like that's not weird and she's like no it's super weird for people who are not into britney spears like your obsession level is a little bit loony and very funny but um <laughs> also see how that ties in with your queerness and i was like yeah yeah so from i'd say february 26 we basically reworked a show i had through the sketches away kept a couple jokes from the sketches and then I basically wrote a new show and rehearsed it and then performed it after six weeks. Wow. And then did it at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And Holy every shit. night, there were three preview nights. And I remember the first night, the show ran for an hour and 10 minutes. And Candy was like, I love that you did that. I love that you worked with the audience, but you know, we'll get kicked out of this venue if you go over time. <laughs> so every day was like shaving things off, re, you know, editing through the season. And I hadn't worked with anyone who, who wanted to do that. Also, yeah, and that was a 12 night run. And so I guess at the end of Comedy Festival, I was like, I have a show and oh, yay, I've been nominated for a Best Newcomer Award for this show. Amazing. And then, yeah, thank you. And then I rewrote it again before I did it at Melbourne Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing I'm realizing now 
it will constantly be worked on until until I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. But sure. like I I I didn't fully rework it for LA, but you know, there were jokes that were substituted so things would make sense in LA and right. like that's always gonna happen, I think. But yeah. 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 If you're gonna totally. tour internationally, that's but uh I mean that that's amazing. I feel like you know if your obsession with Britney comes closer to really who Sananda is. I love that <laughs> that is rewarded by like literally getting called the best newcomer. Oh, thanks. As as to yeah. say that like if you if you're really true to yourself who, of who you are in comedy, it's usually for the best. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Really, yeah, and I enjoy listening to other people's personal stories because, like we were saying, what better way to get to know someone than to go to their one-hour-long solo show that's based right. on their life? Right. Well, you found out that I was adopted. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We shared yeah. that, and you were the one person who raised their hand. Uh huh. And it's oh, it's always, it's always weird. I don't know. We talked about this a little bit, but. Even talking to other adoptees, because there is so little discourse about being adopted, it's only now yeah. starting to change. That everyone's yeah. everyone's just weird about it, and it's not their fault. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's not their fault, and also, Jake, it's not our fault. No, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's definitely not. Yeah. My parents remember a different way, but they got a binder kind of like it was Tinder and they swiped through a bunch of pages and they found a cute kid. And then I got plucked oh. from an orphanage in Manila and I oh. came to the States. Damn, they picked you from a book. Uh-huh. Wow. So you really resonate with that um, uh, joke where I'm like, my parents really wanted me. Uh-huh. They literally picked you out of a book like who the hell else's parents did that to them <laughs> yeah i know right you know yeah i feel like half 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 the parents of biological kids are like are you sure this is even mine doesn't even look like me right 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 or, or a lot of stories i hear maybe it's of comedians or just creatives in general like mm. their parents will be like you know you're an accident right <laughs> yeah. i i got a little drunk i forgot to you know take birth control whatever it is yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps one person's accident is another person's prized child. <laughs> yes, the, it, instead of uh, what what is one man's uh, trash could be another's yeah, treasure. Yeah. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, you, you yeah. want to do some comedy news? Oh, uh, yes. All right, let's let's hit let's, the news. Okay, let's start off. They uh, this broke just a few hours ago as of this recording. Comedian Miss Pat um, is getting a fourth season of her show, the Miss Pat Show, uh, at BET. And as a result of an overall deal she has at BET, she's developing two animated series. Uh, one of which is called. Um, 
I want to I want to get the title right. Uh, Crack Babies, and the mm. other one is called HUD. Um, and I don't know if you know Miss Pat, but that's de- I mean definitely you want to talk about a story of the American dream. I mean she was a full on drug lord at one point. Damn. And, and uh, survived getting out of that world, and now is a beloved comedian. That's insane. I mean, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And for someone who lo- is very much looks like, uh, you know, I mean, she is literally a bunch of people's moms, uh, or <laughs> a mom for a bunch of people. She has probably one of the dirtiest mouths in comedy. That's great. In the in the best it's way really possible. Funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, I well, love. That. I think yeah. that's great for her. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Miss Pat? No, I have not. I'm trying to catch up right now. Yeah, but she sounds great. Like, she... wow, that is the new American dream story right there. From going yeah. to drug dealing to being a suburban mom, yeah, with, with entertainment career. Like, dude, yeah. it doesn't. That's. And she's a black woman. Like, mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and having a stage name as Ms. Pat. Not, oh. I didn't even know her full name until I read this article, which is Patricia Williams. But uh, because professionally as a comedian, she forever has gone as Miss Pat. That's great. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. I also uh, like that her show is going to be called Crack Babies. <laughs> Yes, it is. She, yeah. I mean, that's that's her, you know, some people like doing absurdist comedies. Some people like doing political commentary. Some people like doing observational comedy on minutiae in and around life. Some people like to take the marrow of their lives and <laughs> just present it unfiltered for the stage. And it works. Oh, totally. I think especially... If, and. I am so more interested in that stuff because life is stranger than fiction, you know? Truth is stranger than fiction. Truly it is. Yes. Yes, it's it like, is. It's like, holy shit, how many people do you know that have a platform mm-hmm. that can share the stories that Miss Pat does? I'm like, tell me everything. Right. Make everything into a show and right. feed it, give it to me. Mainline right. it to me. Right. Well, I don't know what streaming service provides BET Plus down in Australia or Thailand. Uh, no. Sky something? I'm going to have to something. Oh, do the VPN thing? Yeah, I'll have to try. Sometimes yeah. they catch you. They're yeah. Like, Are you I don't think a VPN. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, next time on news, um, the WGA strike of uh, this current moment is still happening. I think we're about to enter the fifth week uh, of it. Uh, a casualty, shall I say, of the writer's strike was an overall deal being suspended by creator of movie and TV show Dear White People, Justin Simeon. Uh, he had an overall deal at Paramount. Um, and because the strike has uh, prevented any sort of work on the on behalf of the overall deal, uh, the at his banner, Culture Machine, um, 
they're not paying him any money. So uh, he had to start a GoFundMe. Uh, so I could, traditionally, I normally, I think off the bat would be like, no, do not. But I also have the privilege of living in Australia now where you can apply for grants and right. things like that. I just feel terrible asking, you know. Yeah. But I guess that's a judgment I'm making too of how much people I know in my networks that will contribute to my GoFundMe are making. I'm like, mm -hmm. that's not who I should be hitting up for money. But right. I guess if things get desperate and it, I mean, he makes a really good point that a lot of people of color and younger writers in Hollywood are not, you know, as well cushioned as perhaps more seasoned white writers or right. just seasoned writers, period. Mm -hmm. You got to get it where you can. Otherwise, how are you going to put food on the table? But it just sucks. And my complaint would be, it's not fair. But then I'm like, what is sure. fair? would be moving into some of those CEOs' homes, you know, and then living <laughs> off. Especially because, you know, for the, the CEOs that live in like a 12-room mansion or whatever, they barely spend any time in it. Right. And perhaps that is one of 12, 12 room mansion properties that they have. Yeah. Because they, they really want to spend a lot of time on their yacht. Yeah, man. It yeah. kills me. Mm -hmm. uh, so far, Simeon has raised 40K uh, as of the, that article being posted. It's probably more, but it is a unfortunate commentary on like, how and sort of what is at the core of this strike it's like how undervalued writers are when they are the spark for what a lot of these shows and movies end up being like there is no starting it without them and they're just asking for just a very justifiable sliver of the pie yeah it's, um it's yeah. really you watch succession though I I have not because I missed when it huh. like when it started and now it seems like one of these legacy shows where it's like, well, you got to watch it in all one sitting. And I'm like, I, you know, I have shit to do, guys. <laughs> Maybe everyone stop making new comedy and I don't have to watch it and then I'll have time to watch the session. Yeah, yeah. Let you catch up, everyone. Uh-huh. Um, but I highly recommend it. And just to get into... A little bit of the psyche of this like ceo business sell sell buy buy no yeah. face to anything it's literally all boils down to money kind of yeah thing and then you're like yeah that's the entertainment business yeah as well right which really sucks and it's always been at an odds with the mm -hmm. creative side yeah, you know? it, it's one of the heartbreaking maxims I was told early on when I, I mean, I've been in entertainment for even longer than just comedy, uh, mm. but I've heard multiple times, usually from like producer types, it's mm. show business, not show art. Yeah, which sucks because it should be show art. Yeah, and that's where I, I, I just, I don't know what I can do to change or if i even should but i think i just don't really care about making a whole lot of money 
I did, mm. there's like a, a level of money where like I just don't want to have to check my bank account for after going to a nice dinner. That'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I don't exactly. need to live get like buy a Tesla. No, but perhaps you don't have deep, dark, emotional holes that you're trying to fill with Teslas and yachts, you know? Well, I have them, but they are not Tesla shaped. <laughs> but you've dealt with them in healthy ways. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's helpful. Yeah. But yeah, for some people, it's like, no, I want, I want a, um, I there's a hole that is shaped like space. I, so I need to go to space. Yeah, this void. exactly. <laughs> Fill a void with a void. Exactly. Great. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all about growth. Even yeah. if that means void is growing. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing is, and I'm, you know, uh, I, there's been two episodes where I kind of directly talked about the strike. Uh, one with a union negotiator who is also a comedian and somebody, uh, Josh Gondelman, who is a board member of the WGA East and a strike captain uh, currently. Mm. Um, yeah, they, they, uh, it's not like they, it's not like they want, like, want to keep doing it, you know? Oh, yeah. It's a it, last resort action. It, yeah, it's a, that's why there were so many steps to even get to it. Yeah. But um you know they their fight against the what is formerly known as the a AMPTP but essentially the collective of the networks and mm. studios and streaming services they don't their only kind of argument if you boil down is profit margins. Yes. Like well Which we don't want to like like we don't want to give you more money. Yes there's money. But we don't want yeah. to give it to you. Yeah, we want to keep it. Yeah, and that's yeah. their only rationale is we, we want to keep it. Yeah, exactly. Just they want. Yeah. Yeah. Succession, man. Yeah. You understand but, everything. Uh -huh. <laughs> I would argue that that also is not a sustainable business model. Agreed. No, no, it's definitely not sustainable. Mm -hmm. They're just hoping to die before, you know, they make things wildly right. right. Um, but we're going down a deep dark hole and yeah it's, it's, <laughs> I know I know so we'll skip this other news story it's not really that important and uh, you know why don't we why don't we finish on this so what are your aspirations uh, for Sananda Loves Brittany you know you got or best newcomer um where what do you what are your plans for it next? Well, I'm taking it to Edinburgh this summer. Amazing. Um, so I'll be there, and if you're listening and you'll be there, come find me at, at. uh Blundabas. There you go. And um, yeah, and actually, you were talking about adoption earlier, and I was mm -hmm. also thinking. I've also been thinking a lot about it and how there's not a lot of once again representation. Um, I think my next show is going to have a bit of that focus. Amazing. Because I, I think I'm, that's something we don't hear about. Yeah, we don't hear about. Trying is not a good example of it, even though an adoptee wrote it. Um, it's very pro-parent, mm. which I don't like. 
Mm. Uh, even though my parents are nice and great in a lot of ways, it's still complicated. It's totally super. Yeah. Uh, this is us is not the story for every adopted person. I want to let everybody know that. <laughs> oh, you see, this is us. We got an adopted person. That's like you, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Also, yeah. that guy's black and was domestically yeah. adopted. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's not it's, that my story is going to be your story either, Jake. No, no. It's and I think it's going to be I my the, story. Yes. <laughs> well, the crux of it is there. I think there. It's hard for people to grasp it because there isn't necessarily a visual element to sort of connect it to very inherently. Like people have this idea yeah. of what the black experience is for black people, and mm. what it, you know, uh, Latino or Latina experiences, or you know, whatever it is. Uh, and then they go, oh, that person kind of looks like that. And this is what their experience is uh, from me listening. And then mm -hmm. because there's this whole wide, varied, truly uh, melting pot of people who are adopted. It's like, well, uh, wait, what? Wait. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh huh. Yeah. 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 You can't just tell by looking at me. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, I I I joke uh, sometimes when I tell people on stage I'm adopted that uh, when I tell people I'm adopted they give me a look that says uh, "good job" because <laughs> <laughs> that's all they got. <laughs> uh, but hey, they say go good job, good job <laughs> on the you looking really cute in that book. <laughs> they even get that far. Well, I love hearing that. I can't wait to see what that is. I hope everyone who is intending to go to the Edinburgh Fringe um, in the next few weeks it will go catch Sunanda Loves Brittany at Wonderbar, right? Blundabas. Uh, Blundabas. Yeah, Blundabas. good times. Just, good, yeah. you know, just Google mm -hmm. my name. Yeah, there you go. And hopefully uh, that, that means that Sonata will take it a bunch of other places. I can see it being at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Yeah. It'd yeah. be really fun. To, yeah. I think ideally I would love to tour it in India. I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the UK, other places and right. in New York, take it to New York as well. That would be great to see in India, considering a lot of what, at least from my vantage point, and I'm always very interested in uh, international comedy. Um, Verdas seems to like represent all of Indian comedy currently. <laughs> and it's like, well, I hope not, because I yeah. would like to think there there's more perspective and nuance than just Verdas. Yeah, there's actually there's a big scene. But like you're saying, I think it's more um, it's still more uh, traditional stand up right. form. Right. Um, it'd be fun to like go in there and be like, "Hey, I'm from here, but not from here." Doing right. stand up, but not stand up. Right. And uh, yeah. And you know, maybe India is at a point in time where th that's kind of why it's there's more just traditional stand up because like Modi is such a figure to like be satirized, and there's such a very clear black and white division between Muslims and Hindus, right? Mm hmm. And it's a dangerous art form. Yeah, right no, now. there was a guy, was it two years ago, got like arrested for not even yeah. telling his Muslim jokes. 
but like was yeah. supposedly going to say though. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Hitler's Germany, same, same, but um, <laughs> yeah, time into that, but yeah, anyway. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Go find me. Yeah, start a start a GoFundMe, you know, uh, and you'll probably get a lot of support. Um, feel free to tag the Comedy Bureau, and I'll I'll share it. Uh, Sunanda, thank you so much for your time. This has been lovely. Thank you for being up bright and early. I don't even know if you've had a sip of coffee yet. If coffee's your thing, yeah. I'll okay. get I'll get some. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Jake. Uh, no, it's been so much fun. And, absolutely. Um, where can people find you online and where, what else would you like to promote? Um, you can find me online at, you know, Sunanda. That's Y O U K N O W. And then my name, figure that one out. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm on the gram as well. Also as, you know, Sunanda. Amazing. And uh, watch Sunanda loves Brittany coming to a theater near you. Hopefully. Thanks dude. Yeah. I'm Jake Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau across social. So you can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket, on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. So many great causes to support this time. I'd ask that you please support those. But if you have generosity and money left over, please support the Comedy Bureau to keep it running. And do you have anything to say as we sign off here? Sunanda. Um, just live in the discomfort, friends. Yeah. Yeah. Live in it. Live in it. Live in it, soak in it. And, so. you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but a good percentage of the time, it's not as bad as you think it is. No, it's not. Take a leaf out of Britney's book, you know, resilience to the discomfort. Uh, or as Britney would say, worth bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds way too capitalistic for me, though. So It, it is. I, can we not have yeah, a... It's cute. Yeah, shout out Bugatti's. It's true, though. If you yeah. want a Bugatti, you work, bitch. And if you don't want one, then you can chill a little bit. <laughs> you can't chill. Yes, that is the secret underlying. Exactly. That's the secret <laughs> remake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can chill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, live comedy is happening. Go please go see it. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Guineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.